0: I'm sitting here looking at a frangipani tree with flowers of two colors, the white and maroon. This is not normal and the reason why this tree has two colored flowers is not, has nothing to do with evolution or ecology, but because I planted many years ago two trees, one of white flowers and one of maroon flowers. And I planted them together, the two trunks in the same pot together. So that when they would grow, the branches would intertwine and they would look like one tree with flowers of two colors. And that's what has happened. I'm telling you this uh, story of what I'm looking at to illustrate one thing. And that is the importance of differentiating. If you asked me to tell you in one word, only one word, the secret of success, I would say differentiate. Let me illustrate. Let me begin with a question. What do you ask for when you go to the corner store to buy toothpaste? Do you say to the attendant, please give me toothpaste? If you did, What would happen? Maybe you should try this out the next time you go shopping. What would happen most likely is that the store attendant would ask you which brand would you like? Now, you will face the same situation if you went to buy almost anything in the market unless it was buying mangoes from a street vendor. Products are known, recognized and bought by their brand. I teach career management in global corporations. I've been a leadership trainer now for over 35 years. I teach many aspects of leadership and one of the most popular courses of mine is what I teach to uh, young managers in global corporations called career management or careers in global corporations. You will get the link to that um, That lecture and the link to the channel uh, in this uh, podcast. And I've been doing this since 1994. I've taught this course in GE, in Motorola, in IBM, Microsoft, National Semiconductor, and many other corporations in America, in India, uh, in Sri Lanka, in Bangladesh, uh, in Malaysia, in South Africa. But more importantly, this is what I practice myself in my own lifelong effort to add value to others and thereby to myself. That is how I define my career. That is my differentiation, adding value to others. What is differentiation? Differentiation is to stand out, not blend in. Incidentally, That is also how I define leadership. Let me give you another example. How do you introduce yourself? More than likely you say, I am an IT professional or I am an engineer or I am a doctor or a teacher or whatever. Well, so are a million other people in the world. You are one in a million in the wrong sense. You need to become one in a million in the sense of the proverb. That is differentiation. So, memorize this now. Why differentiate? Because differentiation creates brand. Brand inspires loyalty. Loyalty enables influence. What is influence? Influence is leadership. Nobody understands this better than apple or coke. And that is why these brands inspire loyalty that seem extreme and even absurd to others. But it is neither. It, it translates into a totally loyal customer base which is money in the bank. And they make Apple and Coke the most valuable brands in the world. Let me tell you a story that happened to me in 1996 and has stayed with me all these years and is one of the most powerful illustrations of the power of brand. In 1996, I was invited to be part of a team of trainers teaching the NMDC, the new managers development course which is one of the core courses of GE Corporate University in Crotonville. We had about, I think, 80 to 100 uh, students, participants who all young managers and, uh, and technologists from GE. And we had about uh, 12 or 15 of us uh, who were the trainers. So, this course was in uh, a very beautiful resort in Atlanta, Georgia uh, called Peach Tree Resort. The peach tree resort was full of peach trees and it was… they were in bloom. And I still recall vividly the absolutely beautiful view of peach blossoms that I got every single morning when I walked out of the door. In the course, every evening, we had a session where all of us trainers, we sat together in the cafeteria. Uh, it was a debriefing session for about what happened during the day and we had a cup of tea or or, or whatever. So, one day, one of our… Uh, one of the trainers in the course, she asked and that she said there is a, a Coke uh, conference also happening here in the same hotel and I Uh, just met a couple of my friends from there. So, why don't we invite them to join us here uh, in our, in our session. And, you know, we just share some ideas and so on. So, we said, of course, most welcome. So, those people came along. There were about eight or nine of them, coke trainers, who came along. Uh, They didn't, they didn't all work for coke. Some were uh, freelancers uh, and others worked for coke. So, they came along and uh, we all sat in the cafeteria. The waiter came to take orders. When the waiter went to the first of the coke consultants um, and said, uh, Ma'am, what would you like to have? She said, Coke. He looked a bit taken aback. He said, uh, Ma'am, I am afraid I uh, we don't have coke. Uh, we have a contract with Pepsi in this hotel, so we don't have any coke products. Uh, but I could I can give you a Pepsi. She said, no, uh, I want to coke. Um, he said, ma'am, um, I'm, I'm afraid I can't do, I don't have the, I don't have coke here. Um, can I give you something else, uh, maybe a fruit juice or, uh, you know, coffee or something? She said, no, I want coke. I mean, the the waiter looked, you know, sort of lost. And then he um, went to the next person and said, uh, Sir, what can I get you? He says, Coke. Now It it was silence. We were all, we were all looking at them and wondering what was going on. Uh, The waiter went literally from one person to the other and every single one of them said Coke. And they had already heard what the waiter had said, that they didn't have Coke in that hotel. The steward who was in another part of the restaurant, he saw what was happening, so he came across. And uh, the waiter said to him, sir, these people want coke and we don't have any coke. And I've offered them other things and, uh, but they say they want coke. So, the steward says to them, sir, uh, ma'am, I'm extremely sorry, but uh, you understand how it is. Uh, We have a contract here with Pepsi, so there is no coke. In the hotel, and I, I'm afraid I can't serve you a coke. Um, but anything else you want, whatever else you like, uh, fruit juice or any other soft drink or any other uh, mocktail or coffee or tea or or, or anything you like, uh, we are happy to give that to you, and that will be complimentary, uh, no charge, because we are not able to give you what you want. So please, uh, what would you like to have? They say coke. Would you like to have water? No, coke. Now, I know this is unusual um, and to an extent I'm sure they were probably playing to the gallery. Uh, Also, maybe there were people who um, were also compelled not to uh, drink anything other than coke in public. I don't know any of that. But what I do know, is that it illustrated for me this complete and total commitment to a brand uh, where people will not use anything other than their brand of choice. And what does that get you? It gets you, the brand gets you this loyalty. What does it get to the people who are loyal to the brand? It is the perceived benefit that they are getting from the band. And where does all that start from? It starts from differentiating. How can I differentiate, you ask. Let me tell you a story from my life. The reason I am telling you a story from my life and we are going to be doing that uh, in this series of uh, podcasts and articles that go with it uh, for one reason only and that is because I want to show you how a perfectly ordinary person like me can live a highly um, satisfied and satisfactory life fully, full of energy, full of joy and you can do that without being humongously wealthy. Uh, without being politically powerful, without any of this, any of any of those uh, things, you can still live a life which is, which is full of joy, and full of satisfaction for yourself, and hopefully for all those who are around you. So let me tell you the story, but before that. The principle, the answer, the principle that answers your question, how can I differentiate? You differentiate by doing what the rest of the world is not doing. Let me repeat that, you differentiate by doing what the rest of the world is not doing and doing it in a way that is graceful, dignified and beneficial to all concerned. Please remember, differentiation is not about being freaky. It is about standing out in a way that inspires respect and the desire to emulate in those who see you. So, let me tell you my story. It was 1989 and I was a manager in the tea plantation industry in South India. I had been in the industry since 1983 and I had developed a reputation for high productivity and excellent labor relations. A very big advantage in a highly labor-intensive industry with a militant unionized workforce. I loved my job, I loved the surroundings and I was very happy. I was ambitious, high-energy and looked forward to a fast-track career. At that time, I was transferred to our company's garden in Assam. In 83, I joined the company. In 85, I did an executive MBA from the… from IM Ahmedabad. And uh, so, I was unique in that respect because I was the only person with that additional qualification as well. In '19. Eighty-seven, I was promoted as manager and I had been a manager for two years in 1989 and that's when the story happened. So, at that time, I was transferred to our company's garden in Assam. The job there was also of manager which means that it was at the same level as I was at, but it came with better perks and a bigger span of responsibility. It was a bigger garden And Assam Gardens uh, and Assam garden managers tend to have uh, bigger houses and more servants and and that sort of thing. So, it came with that. What it also came with was the opportunity, if you want to look at it like that, to be as far away from the company's headquarters as is geographically possible when your company's headquarters is in Chennai. For some people, this may have looked like a good thing. To me, it didn't. In the corporate world, out of sight is out of mind. So, I declined the transfer. Now, this was not easy for me or for my superiors. It was a very trying period because suddenly I had no specific job. I had already been transferred, so I had to leave my job as the manager on Lower Shekelmudi Estate because that job had already been assigned to another colleague. And that literally left me homeless as, as there, was, there were no bungalows in the anomalies where I could live. Now it's a measure of my reputation with the company and the understanding of my superiors that I was not simply sent home for refusing to accept the transfer. But I had to leave where I was. So, I was sent off to Mango Range until the man- management could decide what to do with me. We stayed there for six months. I was getting my salary, but I had no work, no office, no superiors to report to, no assignment, nothing to do. I was assigned a bungalow in a forest thicket, which was in a dilapidated condition. The location of the bungalow was lovely and it was a joy to wake up to bird calls every morning. You couldn't see anybody there. There It was surrounded by forest, um, absolutely quiet, no noise, nothing. And um, I, I loved the location. However, the house itself looked like it would collapse on our heads at any time. Of particular concern were the walls, which were so waterlogged that they had fungus growing on them in huge patches. And we were coming into the monsoon, so it was raining. It wasn't nice at all, believe me. Now, my wife is an amazing homemaker and all her talents were put to test in this place. And out of this dilapidated house, she created a lovely home which we enjoyed living in. Now, this is where differentiation comes in. Anyone else in my position would have done one of two things. Either they would have resigned and tried to find another job or they would have considered this period as a paid holiday and enjoyed it. I enjoyed it all right, but not as a paid holiday. And I didn't leave or even try to find another job. I loved my job in the plantations and I had no intention of leaving until someone kicked me out. So, I wanted to ensure that that didn't happen. Since I had no regular job, I decided on doing two things. For a long time, I had been talking about the need for systematic training of assistant managers. The current system in the plantations was that a new assistant would be put under a manager. And what he learned or didn't learn depended on the capability, interest and energy of himself and his manager and field or factory officers. If the assistant was lucky and got some good people who were both knowledgeable and interested in teaching, then he learned a great deal. If not, he remained guessing. Now, this was a highly undesirable system which is very time-consuming and energy-intensive and does not give standard results. I had been advocating for several years the need for a standard textbook on tea plantation management, which could be used to provide standardized training. Any additional inputs that the young man's manager and staff could give him would only add to this, but he would not be deficient in the basics. During my stay in Mango Range, I decided to write this book and in six months, I produced a 200-page manual of tea plantation management. Remember that this was at a time when writing meant typing it out on a typewriter. We had no computers, laptops, were things that sat in your lap. They were not machines. And if you made a mistake, you had to type it all over again. There was no cut and paste. There was no copy paste. None of the facilities that we have today for writing. At the time of its publication, there was no such book on the market. And it was a source of great satisfaction for me. My company published it as an internal training book and though it was never a commercial publication, it did get fairly wide publicity and was used by many new managers. The big lesson for me was about the power of the written word and its high credibility in making your customer base aware of what you have to offer. I never forgot that lesson and today I have just published my thirty-fifth book. After that book, There was no way that I could be ignored. Not that I feared that. I had a lot of people who I had dealt with over the years, rooting for me in the company. The second thing I did was to spend a lot of time in mango Range factory and hone my expertise in CTC manufacture of tea. I was very fortunate in that Mr. T. V. Virgis, who had retired as a general manager in Tata Tea, and was consulting with our company on CTC Manufacture, was a regular visitor and we became very good friends. He shared his knowledge freely and I learned a great deal. He was a practical teacher, which meant that I got to spend a lot of time on my back on the floor meshing CTC rollers with grease anywhere on my face and body that grease would stick. I learned all aspects of manufacture hands-on, further reinforcing my belief that learning comes from doing, not from talking about doing. In Murghali estate, I had a lot of experience in orthodox manufacture and even though I had built Mayura factory, the premier CTC factory in South India, I was moved as soon as the construction was over thanks to a motorcycle accident. Consequently, my, uh, this, in this motorcycle accident, I injured my knee and so I couldn't walk up and down the hills uh, in that area and so I was moved to Parle estate. Consequently, my knowledge of CTC manufacture was weak. In Range, as a student of Mr. T. V. Varghis and thanks to his willingness to teach, I rectified the deficiency. It was ironic that thereafter I went to Ambadi which was a rubber plantation and never really used this knowledge. But it did come in handy for writing a paper comparing orthodox and CTC methods of manufacture uh, which I presented at the uh, Upasi annual conference in 1989. Mangorange was an interlude in my career. I was marking time and waiting for some positive change to happen and in the meanwhile, I enjoyed myself. It, is long, it has long been my philosophy to live one day at a time and to try to create as much happiness for myself and around me as possible. I have learned that the two are the same. Happiness for myself and happiness around me are the same. Because you can only be happy if those around you are happy. This is true whether you are an individual, an organization or a country. Imagine what a wonderful world we would have if instead of competing, we collaborated and shared resources. We would all be wealthier, happier and healthier. I have always held that the secret of happiness is to be thankful for and enjoy the small things in life. There are far many more of them than the big events. If we can enjoy the small things, then we can be happy all the time. The key to enjoyment is to appreciate them and be thankful for them. An attitude of gratitude. The key to contentment is not amassing material, but in being thankful for what one has. The happiest people are those who are content, content people are those who are thankful, and material wealth has nothing to do with any of it. One of the things that I was very appreciative of and thankful for was the leisure that I had in Range. I had no specific work except what I decided to do for myself. And I was still getting my salary. So, I decided to learn golf. I got a caddy from Uti Golf Club to come and stay with me in the estate for three weeks. His name was Frank Augustine and I used to call him Frankenstein and he looked like a dried prawn. When he swung his club, however, He always hit the ball with that sweet foot that all golfers love to hear. And the ball would travel straight like a bullet down the freeway. Whereas my club would come up with a good measure of earth and top the ball to boot. Shows that technique and not strength of arm is what works in golf as it does in many other things in life. Frankenstein believed in hard work, meaning making me work hard. He set up a practice net, produced a set of one hundred used golf balls and we were good to go. I would hit the ball into the net until my arms felt that they would drop off. All the while Frankenstein would sit on his haunches under the Champa tree that was to one side and watch me and make clucking noises. The effect of all this clucking and my swinging at the ball became clear when one day about midway in our training, Frankenstein suggested that we should go and play around at the club. So, off we went on the three-hour drive to Uti. After a cup of tea and a sandwich, I teed off. And that is where all the practice paid off. Uti Golf Club has very narrow freeways bordered by spiky gorse. If you didn't hit your ball straight, you would send it into the gorse and then you may as well forget about it or pay to get the ball back by leaving your blood on the gauze and acquiring gauze-thorn furrows in your hide. As Frankenstein continued his clucking mother hen act, I could see the distinct improvement in my style and capability. Differentiation creates brand. I got noticed and appreciated and was rewarded with one of the toughest jobs in the company. I was sent to New Madrid Estate as its manager two estates, two factories in Kulashekram, Kanyakumari district, Tamil Nadu, which is geographically in Tamil Nadu and spiritually in Kerala. Highly militant, unionized, communist unions with a history of violence. And to top it all, I didn't know the first thing about rubber estate management. I had not even seen a rubber tree in my life until then. That is another story of great friends like Arun, who today is the head of the company that I used to work for who taught me all about rubber? I successfully faced the tough unions and not only won but made lifelong friends with the union leaders so that when I was leaving Ambadi three years later, the General Secretary of the CITU came to my farewell party unannounced and delivered such a speech that he had us all in tears. But as I said, that is another story. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you liked it. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it will be beneficial for you. Do write your comments. We will be very happy to hear from you. Thank you very much and see you next week.